Hey freaks, it's Phil and hope you brought your caffeine because legendary storm chaser Jeff Piotrowski is here. It's pitch black. I see a, a gentleman running down the road, uh, holding his head, uh, running full heat. And uh, I thought, wow, that guy might be injured. And so I turn around, go back and check on him. He'd already closed the path from the time I turned around to where I saw him. And when I turned around, it was maybe a quarter mile. He was dead heat run trying to get to my vehicle before I got turned around. We're also bringing our weather troll bot, our hashtag weather fools, and Brady's asking what happens next on episode 125 with the Stormfront Freaks. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got a boss. Hey, welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast, and it's brought to you by the Atmosphere Weather app. It's the forecast like you've never seen before. Download Atmosphere Weather now from your app store. Hey, thanks to our Patreon members, especially like the we got a new member page. Uh, thank you all for supporting the show. You can join us live and get in on all the extras at patreon.com slash stormfront freaks we got a we got a full boat tonight of co-hosts i think we've rented the entire bar this evening but we got to find out uh, find out who's here find out what everybody's drinking mj up in minnesota what are you drinking tonight hey tonight i got a tall captain morgan with uh, a splash or two of a and w rip here wow mm. good stuff good stuff maz down in cincinnati what are you drinking i have a basil hayden for tonight neat little bourbon mm. action i don't know what well, that is but sounds good. sophisticated like it. it's very nice all right greg up in canada what are you drinking well i, I made a little something special uh tonight so i'm gonna for everybody who can watch the video you'll, you'll see this is actually um i call it the frozen sea turtle and uh <laughs> so it's it's literally just a, a bunch of ice uh and some uh blue food coloring uh and uh there's actually a uh i got a nice uh green back for my turtle with a lime on the top of it right there you can see that so this is my there's actually some rum and some vodka oh, okay. in here as well so. <laughs> but anyway uh, <clears throat> but i call it I call it the frozen sea turtle. Is that a political statement that is going no. over my head right now? Okay. No, all no. Right. So, Phil, have you not heard about what's happening with all the sea turtles down off the coast of Texas? No, dude. I, I get all my news from you, you every two weeks. So you okay. They, they've rescued thousands, like upwards of five thousand uh, sea turtles off the Gulf of Mexico, who are literally uh, going to perish from all the cold weather, and they've got them in in indoors in all these uh, places in Galveston and Corpus Christi and all these places along the uh the gulf coast of texas yeah it's a cool. big deal you should you should really follow along with the news from time to time phil <laughs> every two weeks i do every two weeks just, I do. just turn on the wind farm and blow that cold air back north there we go all right serena up uh, northeast what are you drinking well i was excited about my beverage until Gregles went but i have a, a beer called cumulonimbus that i am Ooh. drinking tonight Who where makes did that? you find cumulonimbus so this is from Falling Knife Brewery, uh, and it's a tropical fruit sour. Um, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It's from uh, Minneapolis. So I'm all right. Yeah, all if right. it's got a good weather name, I'll I'll drink it. 
How, so how'd you get it from Minneapolis? Or, uh, or would you I'm, have to kill me if you tell me that? Yeah. Uh, oh gosh, the second one sounds so much more exciting. No, um, I'm part of like a, an online beer club, like an online craft beer oh, club. Yeah. Okay. So you can pick and choose what you want. So I get beers what, from all over the country. What was the brewer again? This is a uh, falling knife. Falling knife. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. All right, Brady. Up in Columbus, Ohio, what are you drinking, sir, before your hockey game tonight? Yeah, well, I've got a hockey game tonight, so I'm having just water. I'm being nice and boring, but playoffs, so it's a big deal. Big deal. Playoffs in D-League. Half the people can't skate. So what what be, seed? Uh, what seed are you you in? What's your uh, team seed? We, we were the eighth. We were the last team to make it in the playoffs. <laughs> That's in, wait a second. Eighth in the D-League? You know what? That's <laughs> right? There's a chance. We have an old guy who always likes to fight, so that's at least we got that going for us. <laughs> I'm in. The I'd watch that. <laughs> Happy Gilmore. All right, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to go to our uh, our special correspondent uh, down in Texas. Dan Wallace is one of our VIP uh, Patreon members, uh, but he's also our Stormfront Freak correspondent uh, down in Texas. Uh, Dan, uh, first off, what are you drinking tonight, sir? Uh, I've just got a seltzer. Oh, dude. Okay. All right. That's all right. I'll, we'll, we'll give you a free pass. But here's what we want to know. So there's a lot, a lot of cold crap going on down in Texas that uh, you guys aren't used to. What, uh, I guess, what, what have you seen locally by you? You're kind of near Fort Worth, correct? Um, I'm on the Dallas side. I'm not oh, too Dallas, far from right. Addison, uh, okay. so the North Dallas area. Uh, we've had uh, snow since Sunday. Um it's just now starting to melt and uh, become really uh, more of a hazard uh, as it as it refreezes nightly. It doesn't look like it from behind you. <laughs> yeah, that was actually a drone video that I shot on Sunday. Uh, okay, as it was coming in before, I was going to say yeah. I saw some great video out of Fort Worth with uh, some cars sliding down. Uh, so I, I don't know if you guys saw that one. The car's sliding down the road, and it almost took out a, a, a guy who was standing there. It was crazy. Oh, yeah. Have you seen any of that wild stuff, Dan, on uh, like people sliding cars around and stuff like that? No. Uh, I've been out the past couple of days, and, uh, and most people are uh, behaving on the roads. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. How's any, any uh, pipe breakage, uh, any of the homes near you or businesses around you that you've noticed flooding or? Uh, yeah, so pretty much everywhere around here, uh, there are broken pipes and uh, as a result of freezing. Um, I've seen the Dallas fire has been they've been out daily on uh, water uh, issues. so hmm. yeah, it's been wild seeing some of the stuff that's been coming out of Texas. and uh, I can only imagine uh, once we get a chance to talk to Jeff to uh, uh, out of Oklahoma as well. it's uh, the the South is getting beat up. mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've had uh, rolling blackouts as a result of uh, ERCOT, which is the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. It's kind of a deceiving name. So, <laughs> I is that a political statement, Dan Wallace? I can't say that it is, <laughs> but he can't say that it ain't. It's just a power statement, right? Come on, supposed to have power. They're a power company. You know, the, actually, the, the board, uh, none of the, the board lives in Texas, and actually, one lives in Canada. Oh, interesting. So now we're blaming Canada. Typical. I really Greg. feel that this whole weather thing, this cold weather that's hitting Texas and the South right now is all being blamed on Canada. Well, it's from but, Canada, so come on, New, man. Nunavut, right? 
Nunavut, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unreal. Good. Well, Dan, uh, appreciate uh, appreciate your feedback on that. And uh, Maz, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, we can get to our guest. Awesome. I'm excited to introduce Jeff Piotrowski. Jeff has become a storm-chasing legend, documenting and filming over, get this, 900 tornadoes, hurricanes, ice storms, wildfires, and every extreme of Mother Nature. Now, in 1994, Jeff received an Emmy Award for Day of Tornadoes for his coverage of the Gainesville, Texas F2 tornado. He currently is with Barron Critical Weather Intelligence and leads with his wife, the Twister Chasers team. Now, Jeff, before we get to all the tornado and the Emmy stuff, since we're talking ice storms, tell us about what your thoughts are about what's going on in Texas down there and how that's compared to ice storms that you've tracked in the past. Well, that's well, that's a can of worms. Um, the, the current ice storm in Texas, if you talk about, uh, if you look back in 83, uh, that we had a historic um, Arctic outbreak in the deep south, uh, right here in Tulsa, as well as Texas. Uh, we did in 2011, uh, both those years, La Nina years, 2021, here we are again. So the biggest issue in Texas um, coming from the construction side, I built houses in Tulsa and buildings for 25 years. So I understand the, the construction side of things really well. And I can tell you that a lot of the infrastructures in Texas, such as commercial buildings, residential housing, um, as well as uh, infrastructure, critical infrastructure such as water systems, uh, portable water systems, uh, uh, the gas fire plants, the oil plants, the um, power, you know, solar power, uh, windmill situation. Those, a lot of those infrastructures don't have the heating didn't built to standards like we do up north, farther up north, in the sense of uh, we're going to be prepared for you know zero degree weather for multiple days. Uh, we built bury the uh, the water lines deeper in the ground than you do farther south. So it's a combination of those factors come together uh, with an extremely brutal air mass and. Uh, it's caught a lot of people off guard in the sense of how severe it was going to be and uh, the depth and the infrastructures were not prepared for that. That's the number one problem. It's that simple. It's not a windmill problem. It's not a, you know, oil problem. It is a combination of problems that uh, led to this catastrophic event in Texas. And I can tell you uh, that I've talked to numerous officials, both public private and the private sector and government officials across the state of Texas, including calls last night to several um, large city fire departments um, and, and friends that work at those departments in high levels and ask them how things are going. And they basically, the first uh, call I made was to a particular city in, 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 in central Texas. And the guy, first thing out of his mouth, he goes, Jeff, pray for us. He goes, it's the worst I've seen in 45 years in this city. He goes, oh this God. is what's happening. And so I think when we when the fall starts in the, over this weekend and next week, I think the amount of damage done to cities' infrastructures, um, fire departments, there are fire trucks that didn't have um, antifreeze uh, in the diesel fuel, uh, the pumps that were frozen, the 8 and 10 and 12 inch water lines and skyscrapers that busted, that flooded 30 and 40 stories of uh, not only hotels, but condominium complexes, homes busted probably by the hundreds of thousands of homes that are going to have ruptures across the state of Texas. The amount of damage in the coming seven to 14 days in Texas is going to be in the tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars in damage. It's going to be catastrophic damage. And the word is not even out yet about what's happened there. Um, we have in the weather enterprise, we think we understand, but I can tell you, I'm talking to people on the boots there that are on the ground at high level places. And it is catastrophic, not just in Houston, not just in Dallas. It's a big chunk of Texas and it's, it's, it's horrible what's happened down there. It's just unbelievable. Jeff, what, when you, uh, what, from what you're hearing is 
the issue of water and and the the water lines is that a bigger issue than say the natural gas uh, issues and some of the things mm -hmm. with uh, the nuclear power plants and these sorts of things? Is it more the water? It's it's a combination. It's a it's a once you have a cascading effect, if you lose power, then you don't have backup. And if your generators run out of gas and they run out of diesel, you don't have backup. But yes, water is a, a critical issue. Um, I'll give you one short story. Can I tell you the city because I don't want to compromise uh, that relationship there. Um, there's one in particular city uh, yesterday during the day they lost water. Um, and they have certain parts of the city that's critical infrastructure for water cooling towers for their electronics, for communications, for a big chunk of Texas. Um, that building was compromised in the sense of equipment, the equipment rooms, computer rooms were overheating. They don't have cooling towers to cool the equipment to continue the communications. If you lose communications, all emergency communications between fire, police, and um, you know all the counties uh, disappear. And so they basically almost had a meltdown in one of the cities last night. So this is what's happening city by city city and people don't understand the scope and magnitude of how severe this is this is a this is a crippling infrastructure across texas has been extremely damaged i mean it's been damaged uh, bad um and they're literally as the one of the officials told me last night we were literally uh, minutes away from losing an entire uh, city infrastructure i mean it's that bad uh, in many cities in, 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 in Texas, I think in the coming days, in the coming weeks, people will understand the scope and magnitude of this disaster in Texas, but it's it's catastrophic in many locations. And Jeff, there's a need. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, Jeff, could you almost say this is like a not, not like a rehearsal, but almost like a premonition of what could happen on a national scale if the grid ever went down? I stumped I think you. <laughs> well, no, you didn't stump me. What, it, what I'm trying to do is give you a logical answer. And, I, and again, I'm not an electrical um, infrastructure engineer. Okay, so I'm going from what I, what I understand of the, of the infrastructure. I think if you have a combination of, of uh, situation like we've faced in Texas and Oklahoma recently with the power infrastructure, I think that um, I think it's going to force all of us as a as a as a community, right, as a nation. That we have got to. We talked about this for 20, 30 years. We understand our roads. We understand our utility grid it is in in bad need of repair and and, and tremendously upgrade. This event in Texas is going to bring, in my opinion, is going to unite everybody on all fronts to come together to solve this problem. Okay, on a national scale, we have got to deal with this infrastructure problem on utilities and highways. And this is a glaring example of what can happen. We've got to get this under control. And it's not just a Texas problem, folks. It's a it's a lot of states have a lot of infrastructure problems. They just hadn't it hasn't been to this scale yet. So people aren't aware of it. But there's a lot of problems across the U.S. that we've got to address as a as a country and as a community. We've got it. We've got to take these things head on. So let me tell you, the next thing's going to happen. Tesla's building, you know, one of the biggest plants in North America in Austin right now, right? For the new Tesla truck, the new um, the new Model Y, and also the new 4680 battery. So one of the things that uh, Tesla's been very successful in doing on a global scale is building these microgrids with these these uh, batteries where you have uh, uh, utility grid infrastructure put in place, such as um, uh, uh, megawatts, like 50 megawatts, 100 megawatts, or even gigawatt uh, battery infrastructure uh, so that when the grid needs that power, uh, when you in critical times, whether it's peak in the evening or if it's if it's heavy loading time, uh, they can they can supplement that 
with a battery backup uh, and, and keep hundreds of thousands, if not millions of homes on, you know, uh, powered up like they have in, in Australia. So this kind of technology needs to be deployed across the United States. And I'm not talking about one or two plants per state. I'm talking hundreds of micro plants built all over in all 50 states. This is the technology we have got to get behind and roll out nationally. It's a, it's a crisis. We've got to do this. Um, it's, it's critically needed and it's been proven successful all the world. And we're just getting started. Jeff, you mentioned earlier, you know, this happened in previous years as well. And you're not the first person that's basically hinted, mm -hmm. I'm not putting words in your mouth, I hope, yeah. that this has happened before and people didn't fix it right the first time. It's I've had a lot of mm -hmm. friends say, this isn't the first time it's happened. We should have addressed the problems. And we didn't. It seems like there's missed opportunities. Well, there's missed opportunities. This is kind of like, I mean, the building business, I mean, whether you're building skyscrapers, you're building homes, or you're building multi-million dollar estates. I, I can tell you, when I graduated from high school in 1978, I started building houses right out of high school, okay? I was a building contractor, built about 20 houses a year. In 1978, uh, during the energy crisis, I built all my homes with two by six exterior walls. This is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I didn't live in Canada. This is Tulsa, Oklahoma, two by six exterior walls, R40 insulation in the attic, um, the, the thermal paint windows, now low E, uh, talking about geothermal, talking about electric floor grid, talking about radiant heat in the floors, um, and the thermal uh, heat pumps and those kind of things. That is the technology I've been using for 35, 40 years in all my homes. That's how my current home is built. It's built with two by six walls, foam walls, foam ceiling. I will never build another structure again, ever, no matter what state I live in, whether it's Florida or Canada, that doesn't have a minimum of two to six walls and foam insulation in the walls and, and about 12 inches of foam in the attic, because that is, is it's been available for 30 years. This is crazy. We're not doing this today across America. It really is. Well, um, so how, anyway, much, how much more, how much more is to, to do what you did is that so you know, much listen, more expensive. Yeah, listen, or, I mean, what is, in an average home, let's say it's, it's, it's five thousand. Let's say you spend a couple extra thousand on the foam. You spend another fifteen hundred to two thousand. Of course, woods went up about forty percent in the last six months. So, wood framing has gone up enormously in the, in the U.S. in the last uh, six months across, in the building construction. So. If you take if you take even a steel structure or a, a concrete structure and you put foam in it and you do those kind of things that lessen it, it makes a better integrity for the structure and also carry it keeps the um, the risk down as far as damage goes but from waterline breaks in your house right so it solves a lot of problems and it also it, it, it you have lower utility bills so the so the need of pulling all this power from the grid is lower okay so when you start adding all these things up it makes a lot of sense I've been doing if I told you what my utility bills were in my house right now, you wouldn't believe it. And, and it's, it's, I've got some of the lowest utility bills of any house I've ever lived in my life. But I went to extraordinary steps to make sure that I made the right decisions. Like I put a radiant barrel on the outside of the house, a reflective radiant barrel like they use on the space shuttle or using space shuttle reflective film. You've seen that, you know, the mirrors like we put in our windshields of our cars. Same theory, you put it on the outside of your house in the south where you have real lot of heat, right? And we run a lot of air conditioning. You put it on the outside of your house before you break or put rock up and it acts as a radiant barrel. And so when the wall gets hot, it hits the radiant barrel and it reflects that heat back out. So you don't have that heat penetrating the wall. And if you've got a fiberglass wall, that fiberglass absorbs that heat and then it holds the heat till 11 o'clock midnight one in the morning same thing your attic does too it holds that heat with fiberglass when you're hot in the summer you go up in your attic it's 140 150 degrees when you get at 10 o'clock at night you go up there it's still 100 degrees that fiberglass is holding that heat if you do it with foam non-conductive um, better insulator doesn't hold the heat it's better <laughs> repelling the heat keeping the cool in and the heat out and then reverse in the, in the winter time it's just common building practices jeff, jeff you used you used the term it just makes sense 
Um, okay, so people still build in floodplains. Um, oh. People build uh, on uh, in beach areas where beach erosion is a thing, and we know that the uh, you know sea levels are rising. People still do that. Um, you're talking when you say you know it just makes sense. You're you're making the assumption, I think, that people care about making sense right like we have short memories right right and this thing's gonna pass and you know what same thing's gonna happen down the road another time how do you convince people that this is important insurance well, companies well, yeah i guess yeah that's that's uh yes insurance companies but here's the thing if you if you've had a a I will tell you, as growing up as a kid in 1968 in, in Broken Arrow, Coleman, we had an extreme blizzard. And I remember I was I was a, I was a young person at that time, eight years old, as a matter of fact. And I remember looking out my bedroom window, and the, and the snow was up to the bottom of my window, and that was six feet off the ground. That was drizzled. We didn't have power for two weeks. I remember the whole family had to get in one living room. I had gas um, fireplace. I had gas heat, you know, on the stove. And I remember my mom, all the four kids were all in one room, and we did that for two weeks, and it was brutal. It was miserable. That didn't ever left my hand. So later on, when I graduated high school, I started building. I was like, I never want to go through that again. So I always had gas back up. And the one problem is when I could talk about this for weeks is that when you build in today's infrastructure, when I consult with my uh, TV broadcast um, uh, person, people over North America, and we talk about infrastructure and you talk about communications, and you talk about things. I don't rely on one cell company to provide me tele telecommunications out in the field. I have two to three backups when I'm out in the field. If one cell service goes down, I have another one I can default to. If one utility goes down, I have a backup plan, whether it's the gas company or I got geothermal or I've got a solar or I've got a solar battery pack in my garage. You need, going forward, we need to have three and four backups on a house. It doesn't cost a lot of money to do that. It's smart planning. And if the worst happens on one of the grids go down, guess what? I've got three more backups. So I've got plan A, B, C, and D. When you when you don't plan for success you're, and you have failure, it will cost you dearly. You will be miserable. And and, and, and unfortunately, millions of people in Texas right now are miserable. A lot of them are due to, un, 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 you know, not their fault, but it's, they will have an understanding now, I promise you, going forward, both on where they're going to build, what kind of house they're going to build, if they're going to have any kind of power backup and what those power backups going to be, their entire perception going forward, I promise you, if you live in Texas and you've been without power for the last 10 days or your home's been flooded with water, I promise you going forward when you rebuild or they rebuild, they will take a different direction. There's no doubt in my mind about it. I've been through this too many. I've been through this hundreds of times with homeowners, and I can tell you that it, their perception will change after this event. It, it will change. Jeff, when you were in the Boy Scouts, did they give you the prepper merit badge? I was not. In the, I, was, I was not in the Boy Scouts, but I did have the explorers in the fire department. So yes, I have to admit I've never been so fired up and excited about like building materials. Before. I'm like ready to jump out there and like kick some like, butt over just two that's by six. Jeff's on. effect on everybody it's about amazing. everything. This is not right? a conversation I, mean, guys, I was I mean, expecting but, at all. No, I know. Well, look, I, I have a lot of experience in the building. I've, I've built. I literally, I've built hundreds of homes in Tulsa, hundreds of homes over 450. And I can tell you, I've built houses. I've built estate properties. I've built commercial buildings. I've done. 
developments. I, this is not my first rodeo, okay? And not from storm chasing, not from seeing structures tore down. I understand litigation. I understand threats. I understand if you build in a flood zone, are you going to build it on uh, concrete pilings? You're going to build it 25 above the flood zone. If you're down, building down in Florida, you're building in New Orleans, are you going to build the houses on 30-foot steels? So the next time a Katrina comes in, you have 35-foot storm surge. At Bay St. Louis, your house is above it. Those are common sense things. Look at history. It will repeat itself. What's happened now? It will repeat itself. Is it next week? Is it 10 years from now? It's going to repeat itself. So yeah, you got me fired up. Not, not about the weather. It's about just common sense building. We've got to rebuild this infrastructure in America. We've got to do it smartly, which includes all kinds with solar, battery backup, wind farms, oil and gas, and it's, it's going to be the whole package. It's got to be everything. It can't be just one thing's going to solve the America's energy problem, right? It's not. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm very animated about it. I'm very full throttle about what we're doing going forward. And weather is, weather's one thing. Let's talk about, I'll, I'll slow down here a second. So weather <laughs> globally, sorry about that. The weather globally <laughs> it brings all people together. Do you, would you agree on that? Yes. So no matter where yeah. you live in the world, it's the one thing we can all talk about, right? It's when I tell I tell clients and my friends, when it's rain or snowing outside, that is pennies falling out of the sky. And what I mean by that is if you're a, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business person, if you're a uh, in business, and you sell windshield wipers, you sell tires, you sell roofing products. It's an opportunity for you to take to use that weather to help you understand what people's needs are. Right. It's all driven by uh, disasters. It's driven by what people's needs are and what they want uh, to build a safer home and to build a more energy efficient home and to build a more resistant, fire resistant for the wildfires out in California. Do we need to put a middle roof? Did you know if you use a class four uh, impact shingle in Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas, which is about 30%, 40% more, okay, on the cost of the shingle, uh, which it helps uh, repel the, the hail. It doesn't damage the, the, the shingles as greatly as a non-class uh, four shingle because uh, it's got rubber built in it. Uh, your interest rates are about 50%, 50% less just by putting a class four shingle on your roof. Well, how many people, if they know that in the building process or re-roofing their house, you sign me up today a thousand times over because in What's most cases- shingle? Huh? What's a shingle? Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, well, yeah, oh, yeah shingle. Yeah, I know. it's something you get after chicken pox. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you what, Je Jeff's phone is ringing right now because all these companies are calling him to sell for for their companies because uh, no. he's on a roll. But I'll tell you what, I'll say this: you you can't prepare for the weather if you don't have a, a great daily weather app. Would you guys agree? No, oh, I totally agree. absolutely. So yep. we all know the ones that come on our phone are crap. And, and all the other ones uh, don't get us weather geeks all the details we want. So Atmosphere Weather has an app called the Atmosphere Weather app. It's the official weather app of the Stormfront Freaks podcast. And it has the daily weather features you're looking for. Uh, it's got a unique difference in that it shows the weather forecast around a 24-hour clock. Without time, the forecast is meaningless. Right? So why, why not show them together? It's a pretty, pretty easy thing to do and makes a lot of sense to people, as, as Jeff said, right? makes a lot of sense. So we all know how a clock works, uh, so it's easy to read. And it uses shades of blue and gray, uh, not just icons to reflect the sky cover. Uh, there's a radar right in the middle of the dial. You can even integrate your schedule onto the weather clock so you can see what to expect for that baseball game you're heading to or your kid's soccer match uh, later in the evening. 
It's also become my go-to weather app every day. And if you try it, it's going to become your daily weather app as well. Atmosphere Weather. It's available on iOS and Android. Just visit your app store and download Atmosphere Weather for free. Hey, guys, it's time for a break. Uh, We got a little uh, tracker chat talking about storm chaser etiquette. uh, And we'll be right back with Jeff in the lightning round. So stay tuned. Welcome to Tracker Chat, the podcast inside of the podcast. We are the Tornado Trackers. I am Jeremy Heyman, uh, joined by my chasing partners, Gabe Cox and Jeff Mangum. Today, we're going to talk about uh, chasing etiquette. So to lead us off, uh, Gabe Cox, what kind of comes to your mind immediately when you think of chasing etiquette when you're out on the road? Yeah, so I think a big one um, that I've had to remind myself Um, you know, we're all out there because we want to see this incredible phenomenon, uh, whether it's a a tornado or, um, you know, even massive hail, a hurricane, we're all out there for the same reason, because there's this, this drive to see this, this really rare, intrinsically beautiful thing, but also really powerful thing. But I think the hard thing to remember when you're out there and you have a successful chase and you're face to face with this thing that you've always wanted to see is to not act overly exuberant, especially if it's uh, near structures or, you know, with a hurricane, it's obviously you're going to be around buildings that are being damaged with tornadoes. You know, if it's going through a town uh, with hail, you know, it could be killing someone's cattle, which is their or, or crop, which is their source of income. So, you know, keeping in mind the victims of the storm uh, that are around you. We all hope for these things to happen in wide open fields where they're away from people and livestock, but that is not always the case. It's good chaser etiquette amongst the chasing community, but also for the people who are watching us. Yeah, sure. So I'm hearing you say uh, some, some pr- the practice of some mindfulness and sensitivity, remembering uh, to check your reaction when, when seeing something magnificent and beautiful. Yes. But, but destructive as well. So thanks for that, Gabe. Jeff, what jumps out to you as kind of your, your go-to thought when thinking of chasing etiquette? Yeah, I I think you come across a significant storm or a tornado. um, There's, there's relief, there's excitement and it's, it's easy to be so focused on the storm itself that there's not really, a mindfulness or consideration to other chasers. And so I think one of the things that kind of takes place is, is not necessarily respecting um, the views, and, and that's not an emotional thing, that's a camera view, but the camera views of other chasers. And so um, it's not parking right in front of another chaser. It's, um, it's being mindful if they're out with their tripod and they're trying to get a time lapse or a particular shot. Um, I, I do think there's, there's a lot of intense emotions when we're, when we're chasing and sometimes um, communication between chasers in those moments aren't always the most calm. Uh, I think it's also probably wise to not overreact and um, to try to be as, I guess, understanding as possible that uh, the other chasers drove the same, if not longer distances than you. And so uh, it can feel like, hey, uh, I've driven six, seven hours. I deserve the shot. 
And, um, but, but being mindful that other chasers have, have given as much time and money and um, their days and their weeks to, to get the same shot. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's good stuff. I, that's kind of the same uh, thread I was thinking through as well of being, being people focused first in my mind. And it's a strange kind of backwards way to think if we're, we're going out trying to take images of large weather events. But uh, I think trying to be people first is always going to be the, the, the safe bet there. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on, on chaser etiquette? Anything this conversation has uh, maybe stirred up? I think along that, that same thread of thinking outside your own world, respecting private property, like don't, if a road is posted, no trespassing, don't go down it. Find another option. Be respectful of, of the people who live in the area that you're chasing. Don't drive across their yard or park in their grass. And along that line, um, making sure to pull completely off the road. This is the number one thing that we run into as a team is uh, people not pulling completely off the road when they stop. Uh, and it just, it's, it creates a huge hazard. I mean, we've come around the corner sometimes and people are halfway in the, in the lane and it's just super dangerous. So that's something to be mindful of. Yeah. And, and I think along with that, it's, 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 this is all being said on our parts with a clear understanding that these are intense moments. And so, um, it's a pretty frustrating feeling to be chasing a tornado or what might become a tornado soon. And you find yourself with very limited road options. I mean, there is an internal anger that starts to erupt. And so um, there are times when you're faced with the only option is if I pull up in this area that says no trespassing or um, I ba- bypass some um uh, considerations uh, from some homeowners or some land, that is really hard uh, to say no to in those moments because it's easy to look at the map and say, oh, it's only for about a mile. And so to lose a view is unnerving. Um, so I think it's kind of ahead of time just making that a real discipline and uh, and that way you're not caught in the moment. Awesome. Thanks, guys. This has been Tracker Chat, the podcast uh, side of the podcast. Uh, we have been the tornado trackers and i just realized we've never thanked uh the storm front freaks guys and i feel like a total jerk that we haven't so thanks to those guys for just asking us to be on the show and uh caring about our opinions we're super honored and thankful so yeah uh, this has been tracker chat uh, we are the tornado trackers and uh, we will catch you next time see ya Hey, welcome back, everybody. We got storm chasing legend Jeff Piotrowski hanging out with us, and and Jeff, I know you've already been on a couple storms uh, already early this season, but I am really curious. We, we talked a little bit about this the other night when we did a sound check. But what what are your thoughts on this upcoming season? Obviously, being a La Nina season, uh, talk to me a little bit about what you're comparing this to. Sure. So if we look back at uh, 1983, a very similar situation um, with the winter, uh, brutal cold, lots of snow in the deep south. Uh, 2011, um, which is also, um, we had brutal record temperatures, 31 below zero in Oklahoma, set new records, and we had two back-to-back blizzards. Uh, when actually we set a new state record, snow record, just northeast of here at Spavano, 31 inches. Very similar to this year. Uh, so a La Nina pattern again. So if you look at NOAA's uh, forecast for this spring, where they are focused on uh, potentially the most uh, 
tornadoes and potentially the biggest hailstorms. They basically runs from a Tulsa to McAllister to south of Fort Smith to back up to Springfield, Missouri, back north of Joplin, back over to southeast Kansas, back in the eastern Oklahoma. Two weekends ago, Saturday, we had upper low come out. Uh, this is a January event. We had uh, tornadoes just north of my house here, about 50 miles. Um, they, it was an over an overperformed in the sense of what it, you know, how many tornadoes were produced and what had happened that day. Um, this year, just like we've seen right now, I went back, I pulled the SPC data for 1983. I looked at 2011. Uh, those springs produce uh, an abundance of tornadoes, uh, both in Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana, uh, both a lot of F-0s, F-1s early on in the March and April, similar to like right now, the cold Arctic carriers went into the Gulf. Um, and we'll have to continue to have some uh, deep south invasions over the next 45 days till we get into middle to late March. Uh, this, these cold snap on and off is going to not as severe as what we just had, but we're going to continue to have this over the next 45 days. We get late March, things start ramping up. Uh, the 25th and then as we get into early april things continue to ramp up um, but we're going to probably have less tornado days uh, but also more tornadoes on the days that we do on the bigger outbreaks the other thing if you look at the ensembles you look at the cvs you look at the gfs you look at the gm uh, sips model the monthlies for most of the plains, kansas texas oklahoma and new mexico were above normal temperatures anywhere from two celsius to eight four to six Celsius in the panhandle during April, May, and June. We're below normal uh, on precip by two to four inches each month. Uh, so again, we're going to have uh, warmer above normal temperature, which means hot capped air mass. Um, signs of the drought possibly coming back in western Oklahoma, western Kansas, Texas, panhandle. So I, I look for a, a kind of a hot cap deal. Storms fire in central Oklahoma. They come east in the deeper moisture and, and the atmosphere will be super ripe. So I'm looking for eastern Oklahoma, northeast Texas, uh, eastern Kansas, to be the, the 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 battle zone this year, it's going to prove itself right again. So if you go back and look at '83 numbers, look at the tornado tracks in '83, look at the tornado tracks in 2011, it, it's going to be similar, not exact, no two years are exact, but I think we're going to have some big events, and I think Eastern Oklahoma is clearly under the gun. Um, uh, you know, uh, Springfield, Joplin back down to Tulsa, back into McAllister, Henry, the I-40 corridor, Fort Smith. That's the area that I think we're going to have high impact weather events this year. It's from tornadoes and large hell events. The hand ramp is on the wall as far as what it looks like on climate. And, and, and the models have shown this for like six, eight months. So I'm, I'm pretty bullish, but I'm also pretty nervous. You got to really watch the warnings this year. And there's going to be days that sneak up on us with these warm fronts going back and forth. And there's going to be days that produce tornadoes. We may not know that day's going to produce tornadoes until maybe a couple hours before the event unfolds, right? So, but I think we got to really watch our back door this year. Jeff, Jeff I got I to I gotta ask you a question here. Um, we, we started talking about this before we went live and we said, you know, let's hold it off until we, we get live on the air, but like, sure. you're still alive, correct? Like you're, yeah. you're yeah. living, breathing yeah. Uh, yeah. human being and yeah. you've seen some, my friend, like wow. you have, yeah. you have, um, okay. Listen, I don't know if any of the rest of you have seen it, but I, I watched live Jeff the night when, uh, you got attacked. Was that, I think that was in Texas, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yep. Tell us that story. Like, how did, like, you got attacked. That was right after the Dallas tornado, wasn't it? Uh, is, that, yeah, was, yeah. is that the night yeah, of the yeah. Dallas tornado? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it was uh, periscoping and um, uh, followed the tornado northeast of Dallas and went out in the country up to the northeast. I don't remember all the towns I stopped at. But anyway, um, it was pitch black, a lot of damage. Uh, and I had stopped out in the country um, and saw a a local sheriff there 
and uh, stopped to see if I could help assist. There were some people's houses blown away. So I stopped to see it was a farm. And uh, and I had about a literally about a 60 second encounter with a, a local sheriff deputy. And uh, he said, hey, I understand there's another tornado coming. And I looked at my phone app and sure enough, there's another tornado about five miles south of us coming up toward our direction. I said, he goes, what should we do? I said, we need to, you know, bail to the north, let it pass south of us. We'll come back down because now we've got all this damage. If we're a second tornado is going to pick up the debris. High lane says we're going to get impact or hit by debris. That's what we did. I leave that scene. I, I let the tornado pass. I go back south. I go back south and on this highway. It's pitch black. I see a, a gentleman running down the road, uh, holding his head, uh, running full heat. And uh, I thought, wow, that guy might be injured. And so I turn around, go back and check on him. He had already closed the path from the time I turned around to where I saw him. And where I turned around was maybe a quarter mile. He was dead heat run trying to get to my vehicle before I got turned around. Uh, <clears throat> so... Uh, you know, when you're out in the field, you always have these um, uh, intuitions and, and little angels that tell you, hey, something's not right with this situation. I had my seatbelt on. I had my door locked. Uh, I had my um, avalanche at that time in drive. Uh, obviously, I'm in drive. And uh, the guy was in the middle of the road when I got back to where he was at. And uh, I could tell as soon as the headlights hit him that uh, things weren't right with this individual. Uh, I didn't know if the guy had got blown out of his house. I didn't know if he had a, a head injury. I didn't know what was wrong. So uh, one thing led to another. And, and I asked the guy two or three times if he needed help. And um, basically, um, I never really got a, an answer, except that uh, he I had my window down about this much. And he reached his hand in grab my uh, throat, choking me, he grabbed my throat and was pulling me out the window and I had my seatbelt on with one hand. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, man, happened. I was I was watching that live, Jeff, and we were like, what in the hell is going yeah, on right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was uh, so there, it takes a second or two um, uh, to think, wow, this guy's trying to, this person's trying to kill me. So it was like, ooh. Uh, so anyway, so I immediately, um, you know, that big, <laughs> that big uh, Chevy pickup, it had a lot of horsepower. So I floored it. And uh, about that time, the next thing I see is uh, when I raised my hand up to get him off my neck, uh, that's the first thing it did, your first reaction it, it is kind of like flee, get away at all costs, right? And uh, so when I did that, I, uh, I, I tore both my rudder cups instantly because oh they were on fire. Uh, and so I knew I was injured. And, uh, and the next thing is the, after the, I got his hands off, he came back and grabbed my shirt, but then he had a knife in his right hand and my door caught his hand from stabbing me, uh, the door frame. And uh, at that point, when I saw the knife, I was up to about 30 miles an hour and I said, OK, uh, this is going to end. It's going to end right now. And I took the car. Uh, I'm up to about 50 and I'm going left and right. The first time I turned the car, he came into the car and into it. And I was oh, wrong direction. And I go back the other way because I was going to roll the truck. I didn't care at that point. I was going to it was over. Right. And so either I'm going to be dead or he's not going to be hanging on the truck any longer. So uh, he flung off. Uh, I immediately punched it hard and I saw uh, a local county sheriff, canine officer, didn't know he was canine, until about two miles down the road. And I get to the officer, uh, pretty shook up, and uh, this is, um, I tell the officer the guy just tried to kill me. And that uh, I said, You got to be prepared. He's going to attack you as soon as you get there. Uh, by the time the officer got back down the street, he was on top of, he'd already um, attacked another individual. He was on top of a lady's car with a kid in it, kicking in the front windshield. 
Um, so <clears throat> this person was out these of control. Are not, these are not the risks you think of when no, you go storm no, chasing, no, right? Like, no, like, no, like, no, what, hey, Greg, what's the scary no. part? What's the scary Every, part? The tornado no. or the guy with the knife? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, so that's, you know, that's what, look, come on, that's once in, in 40 years that's ever happened. So the majority of the time when you're out in rural America or in even a metro city, um, and I've been in some of the, uh, after damage, after tornadoes, I've been in some really tough areas. I, you know, I'm not going to kid you, but I can tell you, uh, I've never had an encounter where somebody wants to harm you because they know you're there to help them, right? You're there to pick up the pieces. You're because a lot of times when you're in the, when you pull in to town, you're only one's got headlights on and you got a phone and you've got a radio and you're communicating with, uh, the emergency manager or the police or the highway patrol. And you're saying, get help. This town's just been leveled or this person needs help or they need ambulance attention. They generally don't mess with you as a rule of thumb. Uh, they're, they're very generally, most people are very, um, glad you even showed up. Uh, so but this is once in a once in a uh, lifetime event. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I had the withal to flee the situation. I knew I was injured. Um, I knew a lot of people had been uh, injured and killed that night in Dallas. Uh, I had numerous people calling me. My phone blew up uh, from all over the world, literally. Uh, and a lot of police had reached out to me seconds after the attack. Um, and, um, you know, begging me to go to the local hospital there. And I said, no, I'm going to not do that right now. I want to get out of Texas. And, um, I, uh, went out West to cover the blizzard. And then the following day I went to the hospital and found out I had, um, severe damage in both shoulders. So anyway, it was not a pleasant experience. It was very traumatizing. And, uh, luckily <clears throat> the person, uh, lived, um, and, uh, the person's, um, was mentally ill and, um, uh, had been mentally ill all his life. And um, so um, the prosecution uh, through the uh, um, court, um, you know, signed him to a, a place where he needed uh, help and he's been hospitalized and has been for years and he's getting the help he needs. And uh, so luckily I'm alive, he's alive and uh, he's getting the help he needs and, and I continue to storm chase. Wow. That took a few years off your life, I'm sure. Aren't you like 39? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, it definitely, it had a pucker factor. I ain't gonna kid you. I mean, it was, what, it was scary. Which, which was the bigger pucker factor, that one or uh, when you were in the car wash in uh, Hurricane, was it Hurricane Harvey you were in the car oh wash? Oh my God, I remember oh, that. The Hurricane Harvey was a piece of cake compared to that situation. Oh my God, wow. No yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hurricane yeah. Harvey, I mean, Hurricane Harvey, don't get me wrong, it was, yeah, it, uh, yeah. Hurricane Harvey was, was just, it was incredible. I mean, um, matter of fact, one of the people I talked to last night in a particular city, I cannot tell you what city, uh, his exact quote was to me, I said, how are you doing? And he said, Jeff, this is Hurricane Harvey for the whole state of Texas. That's exactly what the guy told me. I'm like, wow. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that was the sound. It is time for our lightning round, Jeff. So this is our game show of flashy and brilliant questions that we always play with our guests. Uh, we invite everybody else to play along as well, especially our Patreon members hanging out in the chat. Uh, but tonight, so, you know, I've, I've joked that you got to bring the caffeine tonight if you're having Jeff on uh, so that you can be on the same wavelength, right? Because otherwise, you, you, you're just not going to keep up. And uh, fortunately, I've been drinking some Mountain Dew. Uh, so I'm, I'm in good, Jeff. I'm, I'm with you, man. But we're, so we're going to play a game tonight uh, with everybody. And uh, it has to do with uh, discontinued soda pop. So discontinued soda pop, caffeine, right? That, that's, that's kind of the nature of, of what this is about. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go around to each of the freaks, 
and they're each going to have an opportunity. I'm going to give them two names of two types of soda. One one is is an actual soda that is no longer available. It actually existed at one point, and one is totally fake and made up. And so the the freak has to decide what's the real soda that existed at one point. And then Jeff, your goal is either to agree or disagree with them, right? Okay. Like like yep, I I, get, I I pick that one or no, I think it's the other one, right? Good. And so that's what we're going to do. And for every one uh, you get right, you get a point. Uh, and if you happen to get one wrong, then the freak is going to get that point. Make sense? All right, so here we go. So the first one, MJ, I'm going to start with you. All right. And here, here are the two. Uh, here are the two different types of sodas. One is Hubba Bubba soda. The other is Tang soda. Hubba Bubba soda Ooh. or Tang soda. One mm. is actually uh, was real and existed. They don't make it anymore. But and the other one's totally made up. They both sound delicious. Uh, they do. I, I'm going to go with Hubba Bubba. That was. It was real. Okay, right? so Hubba Bubba, Bubba, Bubba was the real soda. So that's what MJ says. Jeff, do you agree or disagree? Disagree. Nope. Uh, Hubba Bubba soda actually existed. It was a bubblegum flavor soda. I kind of wonder. Oh, wow. So Tang was the orange juice. What, what gear was that made in? Uh, it was in the 80s. All I remember seeing was okay. it was in the 80s. I don't know what year. 1930, I bet, probably. Right? <laughs> no, Hubba Bubba Bubblegum. That's yeah, a 1930, that Brady. They still make it, Brady. What are you talking about? Big right. too, man. Come on. So, Serena, Serena, I'm going to you. Uh, here we go. You got either Cherry Diet Right or Coca-Cola Black. Oh, Cherry What do you think Diet was right. the real one? You'd Cherry Diet Right was the Cherry real one. Cherry Diet Right was real. Jeff, do you agree or disagree? I agree. What? That is uh, Coca-Cola Black was a coffee-flavored and extra-caffeinated Coca-Cola. Oh. Oh. Like, you need wow. to extra-caffeinate. Yeah. That sounds oh, horrible. Black, B-L-K. That's the drink of kidney stones, isn't it? Yeah, Coca-Cola, B-L-K. All right, so let's go Maz. Maz, we're going to go with you. Yes, sir. We've got uh, Ironside Mountain Dew or mm. Crystal Pepsi. What was the real soda that no longer exists? Crystal Pepsi. All right. Jeff, do you agree or disagree? I, I agree. That is correct. Jeff gets a point. Uh, Crystal Pepsi was that clear cola, no caffeine. Yeah. didn't. I Wait, remember they I... had like a Super Bowl commercial for it they when it did, first yeah. came out. No. Mm -hmm. Was I supposed to bluff him? No, it doesn't matter. You oh, okay. can do whatever you want. <laughs> if if he gets if he gets it right, he gets the point. If he doesn't, then you get okay. it. All right. So, uh, Greg, you ready yes. for this one? This yes. is fitting, actually, for you. Okay. All right. Uh, Canada Dry Ginger Spice Ooh. or DNL? DNL. One of them was a real yeah. soda that no okay, longer now, DNL. Let me think of what that acronym would stand for. <laughs> Could be a lot of things. Yeah, it could be anything. Uh, well, listen, I'm going to go. I've never heard of Ginger Spice Canada Dry, so I'm going to go with DNL as the real but no longer available soda. All right, Jeff, what do you think? Uh, I disagree. DNL is actually, uh, it was a caffeinated 7-Up answer to Mountain Dew, and it's 7-Up it's wow. upside down. If you take really? seven up, D N L, you flip oh. it upside down. It's D N L. Some Lever. marketing guy was, was made his money that week. Was that sold only in Canada? Uh, no, Canada <laughs> Dry Ginger Spice was the considered to be sold. Letter. 
Seven's not a letter. How can right. it spell D? All right, Brady, uh, we'll, we got a different one for you, okay? So here we go. So the last one, uh, Brady, Josta or Holiday Apple Cider Coca-Cola? Definitely Josta. Josta, what do you think, Jeff? I agree. That is correct. Josta was a cola with guarana. It was like an. It was like one of the early energy drinks. Yeah. The thing wasn't with guano. All right, so pretty good, Jeff. That's not too bad for sodas that none of us have ever heard of anyway. So uh, that's pretty darn good. So great job, Jeff. What uh, do this? How can listeners find you on social media and find your videos, all that good stuff? Find people trying to kill you with knives? No, hope not. Uh, Tornado yeah. Alley video on the uh, YouTube side, and then uh, Jeff underscore Petrosky on the Twitter side. Very good. What, what are you going to do now that Periscope is gone? Uh, we've got multiple platforms that we can go on. Good. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Spring, Stand Jeff. by. Stand by. We'll be, I'll be watching you in the spring, baby. Yes. Yeah. It'll be some exciting stuff. We're gonna we're gonna blitz all channels. That's all I'm gonna say. You're doing it all now. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna blitz all channels. Yes. We're gonna break, we'll break new records. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Hey, it's about time to celebrate storm season with some new gear. So at WXShed.com, they've got a huge selection of weather-themed merchandise, including Stormfront Freaks shirts, beverage containers, and stickers. Go to WXShed.com and click on the Brands tab. You can find all your Stormfront Freaks favorites right there. So it's time for our final break. Uh, when we're coming back, we're going to have Weather Trollbot our hashtag weather fools and uh, Brady's going to be here to ask what happens next. So uh, stay tuned and uh, we'll committed to see you soon. Hi, this is Gary England. It's Friday night in the big town, baby, all dressed up, no place to go. Jump back and throw me down Loretta. Hey, be sure and listen in every week, right? Every week, the Stormfront Freaks podcast, baby. It's the best in the world. Let's take a drive under the Let's take a drive under the somber sky Let's take a drive under the moon Welcome back, you Stormfront Freaks. Welcome back to our podcast where we're going to go right into our next segment. It's called What Happens Next. For those that it's your first time or if you've never heard this segment, I'm going to be showing a video and the freaks are going to see it and they're going to try and guess what happens next. Today... We are going to stay on theme and in Texas, and all of these videos are going to be from the past couple of days. You may have seen these on Twitter going around, but uh, I'm just going to start this off. And uh, for those that are watching on, on our audio or for those that are listening on audio, I'm going to do the best to describe it here. So bear with me. We'll have all these links in our show notes as well. So you can take these out as well. So I'm going to start this off. Uh, so this is in Texas. If you can't guess what happened down there. Uh, you have a car backing out of a driveway, and he starts to back out, and he stops. What do you guys think happens next? Lightning strike. He uh, slides he, down the hill. He starts kind sliding, of a, yeah. a spin. Down the hill. Oh. It's like you guys have seen this before. Yep. So th this is a car. He literally is backing up, and he starts to go forward. Oh, no. He legitimately oh, no. cannot turn. He just starts sliding down the hill out of control. Yep. You can tell it's just a sheet of ice, man. And <laughs> You just gotta feel oh for that guy. <laughs> he must just be panicking. I would oh. love to know what's at the bottom of the hill. No <laughs> was he was he speeding? <laughs> yeah, I think he could get out of that ticket, Maz. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to know how many mailboxes he took out. Yeah, well, the impressive <laughs> thing is, like, he somehow manages to stay perpendicular exactly to the road, so he didn't hit anything in the frame. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he came to a calm stop there. All right, so the second video is once again out of Texas. I believe this is in Austin. This is actually at a BMW dealership. Uh, um, so a guy is about to go open a door. You can hear there looks like there's some water on the wall. Yeah. What do you guys think happens next? Water pours out. Yeah, I'm going to say the, the room is full of... The w room is a pool, basically. Clown jumps out. Clowns. There's a <laughs> giant <laughs> toilet on the other side. Could be a clown. Keep in mind, this is a car dealership. And look on the floor. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, man. Oh, He's getting wet shoes. Burst. Yeah, okay. Oh. So he's like, hey, what's behind this he's door? Still <laughs> <open> the door. <laughs> <laughs> he's still going to open the door. Seems like a door. bad idea. <laughs> oh, that doesn't look good coming out of oh, the bottom no. either. Oh, oh man. man. You just got to feel for those. Hopefully yeah, they move the cars. Let's hope. And I mean, that's, that's what Jeff was talking about Brady earlier is this, I mean, like the aftermath of this storm is really going to be mm. something oh, yeah. to see. Holy smokes. Oh, was that yeah. the electrical room? It I looked think like, so. it looked <laughs> like <laughs> it. Yeah. Some sort the of utility room. The more unfortunate part, all that electrical gear is probably. Yeah. But yeah. wow. All right, for our last video here, uh, all this tweet says is we need boots in the ground helping Texas. This is horrible. So this is not going to be roses or anything popping out. There's going to be no pleasant surprises here. No uh, Dan, Dan Wallace is our boots on the ground. Yeah, yep. there you go. So yeah. this is a, so right now we're, we're going into a video where it's inside of a home, and we're looking at the roof, and it looks like there's a crack in the roof. Oh, maybe? Yeah. What do you guys uh, think? This has got to be a roof collapse. Giving it away. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead and play the video here. Collapse. Uh oh. It almost it looks, looks like it's it's like a bowl. Oh, oh my god. Oh, oh, there we go. Man. So the roof just and no water came for some no, reason. No, no water though. That was weird. That was the weird part. Is just is it just collapsed and well, you it, get that look like you when, get that gyp rock wet and then it just it, oh, it looked man. like when the Metrodome in Minneapolis, yes. the, the roof oh. caved in from all the snow. All the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Just small. So a little, little bit predictable today, but I think it was it was on theme and uh, it, it you know just describes what's really going on. Like you know, to Jeff's point, it's bad, you know, and it's it's a lot worse than I think people think. So that was what happens next. Great job, guys! You guessed them all. Good job. All right, Brady. You'll, we'll uh, we'll get those videos on our episode one twenty five show notes as well, uh, so you can see that on your podcast app or go to stormfrontfreaks.com. And Brady, I know you got a hockey game to go to. Good luck, man. Wish me luck. Hopefully someone Surprise doesn't try him. and kill me or beat me up. We'll see. Underdogs. <laughs> All right. Well, the sound of the who is means it's time for Weather Fools. So we're going to talk about people that maybe haven't made the best choices. We're going to go ahead and uh, start with a TikTok video that I found. And that is uh, a little oh, bit of ice. Oh. Let's see. Oh, and I can turn the music off. Here we go. So uh, they picked a really unfortunate spot wow. to park here. Um, wow. That car is probably not going anywhere for not, a long period soon. of time. No, that that looks like those uh, those scenes you see off the Great Lakes in the winter yes. when the yeah. uh, uh, when the ice is uh, you know piling up on the vehicles with the the storm spray. With but this is in spray, a yeah. in a parking garage, right? Yeah, this is in a parking garage. So the guy recording, it's not his car. It's someone who lives in the same, uh, you know, facility that he does there. But 
Um, yeah, I guess you're gonna have to start looking above you when you park in parking garages now if, if cold weather's coming. So at least the water's not running still. No, I, yeah. I until it thaws, back, probably right. Yeah, I wonder if the windshield's gonna collapse in the back on that one. It's interesting. Anyway, Remember as kids, we used to eat the icicles. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, but they say that that's not good because there's bird poop. They in do them. say it's bad. Nah. It's oh. bird bird poop in, off the roof. Uh, so anyway, uh, they do, they do. So, uh, so up next here, Greggles. Yeah, here you've got a couple weather fools to share. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a couple. This first one, I, you probably some of you have seen the video. This oh, to me yes. is the most uh, dramatic piece of highway video you will ever see. This is from Wisconsin. Absolute terror. Uh, when I put this into motion, now what you can't see in this video uh, right right now is that along the highway, this is after a snowfall, and the snow plow has pushed the snow up to the edge of uh, the uh, the highway overpass. Obviously, there's nowhere for the snow to go, so it builds up along the side. And as I put this into motion, if you watch the uh, on the uh, left side, you will see a truck come into frame from the left. And it hits the bank of snow, and that's a seventy-foot plunge to the highway below it. And here it is again in slow motion: a seventy-foot plunge. He hits the snow bank, goes right up over uh, the 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 side of the the highway, and narrowly misses a car that was going underneath. The guy survived. Yes, he was that fall. Landed on upright, and he was okay. Is that unbelievable, right? Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. Now the second, uh, the second weather fool that I have, and this really, truly is the definition of a uh, a weather fool, is uh, this uh, scene from Texas. So this is a uh, Texas highway in, uh, I believe, the Dallas area. Uh, people got stranded. They're missing their uh, cars. Beca- because of the snow. And now there's these three people. I'm assuming it has to be dudes because only dudes would be dumb would enough you? to do this. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but three dudes are walking down the freeway. This looks like I-35, actually. Yeah, and uh, not on the side. They are not on the side. They're the down the middle of the road, and there's vehicles passing by. And we've all seen how vehicles do in Texas in nasty weather with snow and ice. And uh, these three guys are walking down the middle of the road. I think this is the definition when you look in the uh, the Webster's Dictionary for a weather fool. This is what you would actually see as these three dudes. Oh, my gosh. This so, so reminds me of one of the videos I think you posted on social media, Greggles, with the uh, the truck that slid down and it, like, hit a car. And these two people yeah, were yeah. still – they were outside of the car on the ice. And these cars right. are coming by. It's like, you're going to get squished by cars. What are you thinking? I was surprised those guys didn't get killed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wild. All right. Well, my heart's pounding out of my chest for these people. Now, Phil, I hear you've got a couple weather fools. Uh, I do. So everyone likes to go sledding, uh, of course, and sledding is a lot of fun. And and we've had some uh, people down in Texas with an opportunity to learn what that's all about. Uh, but this is a tweet, uh, I think, uh, actually of from Levine Photography of people sledding in Texas. Oh, there but we they're go. on a sled with a pull cord behind a pickup truck in oh, a no. parking lot. And of course, they're whipping them around with lots of trees and light posts in the area. What could go wrong? Yeah, what what could possibly? Yeah, so so this just gives you an example of uh, must be what Texas sledding is. Probably not a lot of hills in Texas, and they just keep going around in circles. Don't stop too fast. (laughs) Plow right into the back. All right, so that was Texas, and then we had some friends in Alabama. 
as well with an opportunity to learn what snow is all about and uh, figure out how to sled. Now, these guys are doing it behind a uh, four-wheeler, and he is in uh, like a pickup truck <laughs> like a truck bed, bed or yeah. something. Oh. And, and that he's feels holding very, on to a that rope. That feels very Alabama. Headliner. Uh, <laughs> Watch his neck. His neck snaps when he that falls down. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. Why is he standing? Oh, my God. <laughs> why? Why would you stand? I, I have to feel that there's some alcohol involved in uh, this. <laughs> I can't Liquid. tell. Does he have a helmet on? Liquid Was courage. he that smart or is it just his hair? I can't tell. Uh, I don't think yeah. that. Oh, man, that's, that's just Ouch. brutal. Oh, my goodness. Well, Do you find that when you see these weather fool videos that you, you tend to want to watch them over and over and over? <laughs> a little bit. I, proverbial I, I, train wreck. Yeah, I have, a, I have a problem with watching people slipping on ice, and especially when they lose their shoes. I don't know what it is. It gets me. It's like the greatest thing. I've watched hundreds of those in a row. Anyway, so if you're, if you're addicted to weather fools like we are, check the uh, show episode 125 show notes for all the links and the details so you can watch them profusely like the rest of us. All right. You know what this means? Oh, no. This means it's time for... Weather Trollbot Five Thousand. This is the. There you go. This is this is probably one of the favorite segments here on uh, Stormfront Freaks, and this is where uh, our uh, our fearless leader Phil goes out and he trolls the uh, trolls. He he scours. <laughs> he not troll. He scours the dark web for uh, these uh, people, and we all know these people. And and listen, Jeff Petrowski probably has as many of these as anyone else he's got trolls people who uh no matter what he posts will have something negative to say we all know these people we've seen them well phil goes out and he finds these trolls and they they troll our weather friends and he takes that uh that information that, that, that our weather friends have replied to these trolls and he puts it into weather trollbot 5000 and spits out what those people were really thinking. Phil, what do you got for us tonight? Well, so I warn everybody, and Jeff, I'm going to have to warn you, because uh, this is your first experience <laughs> to Weather yeah, Trollbot. Yeah. This, if Welcome. you watch us live or, or you're watching uh, the stream of Stormfront Freaks Raw, uh, the YouTube version, uh, put your earmuffs on uh, if you've got sensitive ears or if the kiddos are around, because Weather Trollbot, as Greg knows, uh, doesn't hold back. Not at all. Right, and so, so I've got two examples tonight. Uh, you're going to like this, Jeff. So the first one is from one of our listeners, uh, Paige, actually sent this to us. Uh, Lauren Linehan, who's a meteorologist at uh, WTVM in Columbus, Georgia, uh, she, had, she had someone uh, send her a message. Uh, the guy's name's Pete Jackson. We're not afraid to throw people under the bus. Pete Jackson said, happy birthday, Lauren. Now go eat your birthday cake through a picket fence, horse face. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. Ridiculous. Whoa! She must have had some sort of professional response, though, Phil. She does, yeah. They always respond nice. Like, you know, but you also know this maybe isn't what they're thinking. But here's what Lauren responded with. Not before you go wash your mouth out with soap, you miserable human being. That's pretty fair. I think that's a fair response. Totally fair. But you know Lauren wasn't really thinking that. No. I mean, that's not what she was really thinking. Mm-hmm. And so we get we got Weather Trollbot 5000. We're going to plug all this information in, and she's going to spit out what Lauren was really thinking uh, before she made that response. So we got to type it in. 
Uh, then she's going to compute. And then here's uh, what she comes up with. Here is what Lauren was really thinking. This son of a bitch needs to wash his dirty mouth out with a big bar of soap. Fuck off. <laughs> to the point. <laughs> wash that mouth out. That's right. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, good job. God, right. how, how, how much would she really like to say that to that dude? Eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, she I'm just sure. did. Yep. She, she just did. I'm sure Pete Jackson was listening. All <laughs> right. And, and then our second one, uh, this was from one of our listeners, Parker, uh, who's been on the show as well. And, and of course, it comes from our esteemed weather troll bot Hall of Famer, Ginger Z, chief meteorologist oh, yes. at ABC News. And this came from Born to Live Jaquel. And Born to Live Jaquel said, no need to overplay the ponytail. We get the danger of the fires. So she was reporting, Ginger Z was reporting from the, the California wildfires, uh, apparently in a ponytail. Uh, and Born to Live Jaquel felt she was overplaying it. I, I don't know. But here's <laughs> wow. what Ginger responded, right? Professional, all that good stuff. Always, yep. Ginger says, what are you talking about? I put my hair back because it's breezy. What would you have me do standing near the El Dorado fire? Is a pony an overplay? Question. All right. Yep. But uh, Ginger's, you know, we've learned now through Weather Trollbot what Ginger usually thinks on these things. So we're just, mm -hmm. we're going we're gonna to pop that, uh, we're going to plug this in. And uh, she takes a little while to compute, but she's got to compute this. Here is what Ginger was really thinking. How do you overplay a ponytail? I mean, really? Any help here would be appreciated because your comment makes no sense. How would a ponytail in a fire be a overplay? I can't compute. I can't compute. Uh -oh. I can't compute. Uh-oh, she broke weather trouble. Oh, she broke it. Wow. Oh, no. We've never broken weather troll we before. We haven't. Uh, she couldn't compute the ponytail overplay, I guess. I don't know. All right. Well, good stuff. We, we'll, we'll have to have to work on weather troll bot before the next show. Uh, but good thing on that. All right, uh, MJ. Give me a postcard. Drop me a line. Yeah. You got mail, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got mail. We do. The Freak Fan Box today has a few things. Paige, our newest Patreon member and contributor. Uh, for the show this uh, this evening. Uh, sent us a message, says, I am so excited I started listening to you guys this summer, and I love your podcast. So thank you, Paige, for awesome. being that one of our nice. patrons. Yeah, absolutely great. We don't even have to weather troll about that one. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, very nice. So great to have you with us. Uh, Andrew checked in on Twitter. Uh, this is uh, at StormChasingMD. Uh, Andrew is a physician. Loves our podcast, says keep on doing it. So thanks for the tweet, Andrew. Awesome. Always appreciate hearing from our listeners, and we want to hear from you, too. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, although I guess you're supposed to say Insta now because Instagram is too long to say. Is that correct? I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's what the kids are doing now, MJ. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Or you, can, uh, or you can go to the old email and questions at stormfrontfreaks.com, but we love hearing from you, so there you go. 
<laughs> you can go to our AOL account. That's, that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's we should actually give out your mailing address to MJ if anybody wants to like post just in us case. a letter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Thanks for listening or watching. Uh, before I announce who our next guest is going to be, if you do like the show, uh, don't forget to subscribe or to follow the show so you get notified and you receive the latest episodes delivered right to your podcast player the moment that we release those. Uh, also visit patreon.com slash stormfrontfreaks. You've heard us talk about that a little bit. You can check out all the ways you can support us and how we can do more with you, like live access to view our raw recordings and chat with us. Uh, we do our monthly virtual happy hours with our freaks, and, and you can even join us and our guests in the green room of our show recordings. You can visit patreon.com slash stormfrontfreaks to join the team. And again, all of you that support us, uh, again, thanks for doing that. Special thanks to our guest tonight, Jeff Piotrowski. Uh, Jeff, thanks, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Legend. Legend. Yeah, we had a great no. time. And, and again, thanks to our uh, Texas correspondent, Dan Wallace, uh, as well. Boots on the ground. Our next episode, we're back in two weeks, recording live and raw on March 4th. With the hurricane man himself, Josh Morgerman is going to return to the show, so we'll uh, get a chance to chat with Josh some more. But for uh, MJ, for Serena, for Maz, Greg, and, and Brady, who's went to play hockey, uh, <laughs> I think that about does it. I'm going to signal the all clear, and uh, we're going to catch you guys all next time. So have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.